Welcome to the HR Heroes podcast, where we bring you the latest information to help business owners, entrepreneurs, and managers manage their team through COVID-19 and beyond. Listen in as we share leading edge information with experts across a variety of fields, from HR to legal, from negotiation to mental health, and so much more to help you not just survive, but thrive through the pandemic. And here now is your host, Natasha Hawker. Graham Cowan is the author of two international bestsellers, Back from the Brink and Back from the Brink 2. On the 24th of July 2004, Graham wrote to his family to say goodbye. Now, after four failed suicide attempts and a five-year episode with depression, he has dedicated his life to helping others struggling with depression and bipolar disorder, and he sits on the board of Are You OK? He is a speaker and also the co-founder of Factor C, a mental health leadership mentoring program, and he's helping to change the world for the better. Welcome, Graham. I am so pleased to have you with us today. And I don't say this lightly, as may become obvious through our chat. So thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. My pleasure, Natasha. Super excited to have you here. So in terms of setting the context, um, over the last couple of weeks, in my view, it's been a bit of a bloodbath out there for employers who are literally losing their businesses overnight or are massively having to totally reconfigure the way they run their business in order to continue to trade. For employees, there have been many that had a job one day and then lost it the next through no fault of their own. They're devastated, they're desperate, they're worried for their future. And then on top of all of that, we now have millions of employees working from home globally. And for individuals that suffer from mental health conditions, this is a potential problem, but also potentially for individuals that have never suffered from a mental health illness in their past, this might happen for them. So before we get into the nitty gritty, I'd love you to share your story, Graham. Tell us about you. How did you end up where you are today? Uh, yeah, it was a journey. <laughs> um, I had a, I guess, a, almost a conventional corporate career. I worked in sales and marketing to start with, with Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, then worked in human resources, then I was a headhunter and then led a culture change division. And, and then I guess my final role in corporate was as a vice president for AT Carney, which is a global management consulting group. And um, it was, funny enough, it was the tech crash in in 2000 that um, where I really crashed and burned. I'd had some episodes of depression earlier in my life, but this was a whole different level. You know, it lasted for five years. I lost my job. My marriage broke down, estranged my kids and, uh, you know, I had to go and live with my parents. It was um, an amazing time. Um, and it's interesting, you know, when you're going through it, you think it's the worst thing that could ever happen. And it certainly seemed like it then. Mm. But, but it really uh, forced me to change priorities and change what was important. Um, and so I ended up writing a book called Back from the Brink where I shared my story, but I also interviewed 10 other people had been through depression and how they bounced back. And that became a bestseller. It sold 30,000 copies um, and led to lots of TV, radio interviews. And that led to me realising that most of the people contacted me at book signings and also at on um, 
uh, Talkback Radio were actually loved ones of people who were struggling. And that forced me to realize how much toll my illness had on my family around me. I really didn't know. I really didn't appreciate that. And that led to my second book, which was Back from the Brink 2, T-O-O, uh, How Best to Help Someone Going to Depression. And then I wrote an international version of the book, um, which was published in the US. Um, I interviewed people like um, uh, Patrick Kennedy, nephew of JFK, um, the corporate head of um, uh, public relations for Google, based wow. in Washington, um, Alistair Campbell, who is Tony um, Blair's chief advisor. But also in that book, I actually surveyed over 4,000 people and asked them what worked best for their recovery. And that became really, really, I guess, important background material for my ongoing work. And then through my books, um, uh, Gavin Larkin, the founder of Are You OK, approached me and said, look, I've got this great idea. Are You OK? Conversation could change life. Are you interested in being an ambassador? And I just said, mate, it just sounds amazing because I knew through my own experience how important that personal support was. Like I, would, I really wouldn't have made it without my parents, without their unwavering support. And so I said to Gavin, I'm all in. And uh, so I helped as a core team of four people that helped Gavin launch it in 2009. We both spoke at Parliament House. And it is amazing how it has grown in rich and impact. But I actually wrote an editorial today, um, Natasha, and and uh, actually I'll, I'll just, because it is very pertinent for mm. what you're talking about today. And the topic was that um, asking, are you okay every day, Australia, it's never been more important. Oh, totally agree. We are seeing a level of stress and change that is unprecedented, unprecedented. Do you know, I, I shared with my team, and I think one of the things I think is really important that we're authentic and we're authentic leaders. Now, I have not, thank goodness, touch wood till now, had um, any issues with my mental health. But I have done a, about three 70-hour work weeks back to back. And I had a full-on day on Monday. And Tuesday, I said to my husband, Mark, I said, you know what? I'm anxious. I'm agitated. I can't settle. I just don't know what's going on. And we have an EAP program, which we'll touch on. And, and I said, I'm going to share that with my team because I think we need to all be quite open about the fact that this is tough. And even if you haven't typically been in that space, there's nothing stopping you going there. And, you know, Mark just gave me a big hug and said, you know, quite simply, are you okay? Um, so I think it's really important if the one message that gets out of there is, is that we do take the time to do that and everybody is susceptible at the moment. And the other element, Natasha, like our traditional message has been on emphasising the person reaches out to someone in distress. But we also need to ask ourselves, like you just said, am I okay? Mm. Like we seriously do. And if we aren't right, we need to do something. One little thing that day to help address that. So, yeah, it, so in this op-ed that I wrote this morning, I talked about um, three things we can do for ourselves and three things we can do with outreach for Are You OK? Because I really believe we, 
need this collective mindset to get through this together, it's not easy. It's not easy for any of us. No, it's very hard. So I can hear it in your voice, but what do you love about what you do? You know, as I mentioned, um, at the time, it was the worst thing that ever happened. Um, But writing that first book gave a sense of meaning because it became about other people. I was doing something for other people. And one of the huge things when you're going through that, when you're in the black hole, is you're just so self-obsessed. It's all, all you can think about is yourself and poor me, poor me. And part of the way out of it is going from me to we. And that's been an incredibly important transition for me. And so it is core to my being, my purpose now. Like, um, like it has evolved. You know, I started off talking very much about bouncing back from depression. But I now say that my purpose is to help busy leaders build more caring and resilient teams who enjoy growing together. So it's evolved, but it, but it, it, it all started from that, from that crisis. Yeah. Tell me, is there anything you don't like about what you do now? Uh, well, you know, the, the volatility of income is <laughs> one thing. You know, I was, in the, I was in the live presentation and live workshop gig up until a month ago. Yes. And, and suddenly the next six months, there's no income. So it's yeah. not cool. But having said that, I've also just done this incredible pivot over the last, um, over the last 10 days. And I have done three webinars this week and I've got four next week. And they're leading to bookings for organisations, doing specific ones for organisations. Um, Love it. And, and, and just the range. And it's great doing these target ones because I'm doing one for a startup hub. I'm doing one for an entrepreneur's group. I'm doing one for the transport industry. I'm doing one for a government department. And what you can do is find out the specific issues they have. They'll all, they'll all of course, be common elements, but being able to use the the language they use, the scenarios relevant to them, just takes it to another level. So when I heard you speak, when we first met, gosh, it feels like ages ago, but it's not that long ago, I think you were talking about trains and working with train workers. Do I remember that? And you were trying to give them some advice around mental health and and you talked about the specifics of that. Can you share something on that? Yeah, well, that was, um, it was, I was just really an observer. I think it was the story I shared, but it's a great story, particularly for people that have, you know, um, workshop workers, what we used to call blue collar workers. Um, they, because mental health issues are a big issue in many industries, but it, it's very tough in the trains. You know, some of those drivers just see horrible stuff. And um, so they decided, and it was a, their, um, work health safety manager, a guy called, I think his name was Mustafa Karush. And he, we had a specific Are You OK track event. We did track resource and everything. And Mustafa took it upon himself to work out how we could grow it in a very blokey culture. You know, most 80% male, most have been there 25 plus years, really blokey. And he observed that they were talking about footy in the, in the lunchrooms. And so he had this idea that he wasn't going to hold an are you okay thing, he was going to hold a 
a footy passing competition. And so he did that. And so he got a whole bunch of people along and then handed out a few things. Next year, he extended. He had another speaker, but, you know, had some other stuff about footy. He had a Are You OK ambassador who was a footy player yeah. and that sort of stuff. And he gradually ramped it up. The first year, I think they had like, you know, 500 people involved. Four years later, and this is all the work of, of Mustafa and his team, um, he did an event in the lead up to IOK. He went to 13 different events on the different sites. He had six and a half thousand people attend. You know, and as you know about culture, uh, Natasha, that's when you get culture to change when, mm. you know, six and a half thousand Just people. Bumps. And, and by that stage, you know, he, he had EAP on site and all this sort of stuff, you know. So it went from a footy passing competition to massive engagement. Like, and I, I just love when, you know, mm. people work out how to crack the code and it is cracking the culture code, which is different for every organisation. And, you know, and we will never know, but you wonder how many lives that saved, that, that program saved. 100%. So what are you seeing in the mental health space at the moment, given COVID-19 and everything else that's going on in the world? We know, you know how we thought we were pretty freaked out in the fires? Yeah. And that seems like, seems like two years ago, but it was only mm. two months ago. And we were watching the papers then. Well, Beyond Blue reported last week that the traffic around coronavirus on their site is 700% higher than the bushfires. 700%. So that gives you just some anecdotal evidence of, of what's happening now. That's also many increased volumes to helplines like Lifeline and that sort of stuff. Um, tragically, things like domestic violence are going through the roof. Yeah, so that 700% increase, um, it flows on, you know, in terms of illness, in terms of tragically suicides, it flows to domestic violence, it flows on. And, you know, domestic violence groups are already reporting much higher incidents of perpetrators using the virus to further control, um, in, in most cases, women in their home. Yeah. Up until this point, um, what are the stats around mental health in Australian workplaces? Because this always shocks people. They don't realise it is what it is. Well, in any one year, one in five people will be affected by depression or anxiety. If you throw substance abuse or addiction in there as well, it's one in four. So if you have a team of 12, it's three. Yeah. And do you know what? One of my team members, her brother owns a bottle shop, and she told me this yesterday. He's had his best week ever, better than Christmas. Now, that's not a good thing, but better that's than better than the week leading up to Christmas. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we do have a problem coming. So, which is not good. Um, so what are you expecting to see as a result of the huge move to work from home as a result of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic? Well, it's a very stressful transition for many people, um, like people like me and you, you know, we've been doing this for a while, but even, even doing it for a while, it's different. Like, you know, I might spend two, like half my time working from home, but half time in the city or interstate or 
variety of travel going out, you know, to restaurants a couple of this week. It's really different when you're here all the time. Mm. So I can't even imagine what it's like for people that go to an office in the city or, you know, in Parramatta or in Dubbo and suddenly they're home all the time. And not only that, they're with their family and that can be good, but it can be bad. If you've got young kids and I've spoken to a number of entrepreneurs, young female entrepreneurs this week, who are trying to homeschool young kids and pivot their business at the same time. Like, you cannot, I cannot imagine. Yeah. I, I think I heard a really great thing from one of our um, listeners this morning and he, he, it was he, he made the comment, I think we need to be really careful that we don't mix up homeschooling with making do while we're doing this. You know, you are not expected to completely replicate what your kids would be getting at school. And, you know, one of the things I see is where it's working well, families are actually spending more quality time together than they ever have. doesn't work for everyone. But, you know, we're about to play board games and stuff like that that we haven't had time to do because yeah. everyone's busy. Mm. Uh, and there, you know, there, there is upside as well. Like, you know, we focus very much on the stress and that's really real. But I am... I'm also very optimistic that this will fundamentally change workplaces. I heard someone describe it as the, the post-COVID-19 era, and yes. I really believe that that will happen because I think this is a time for reflection, for working at what's really important, this, you know, incessant activity that used to happen, not productive activity, but incessant activity um, has to change. Uh, you know, having more caring and supportive workplaces will be a key we'll competitive productivity. Yeah. We'll productivity. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think, you know, I always used to talk about emails, you know, just because you can receive 150 emails a day does not make you capable of dealing with 150. And there's that treadmill fanaticism that goes with it. And, you know, you ask people, and I've been guilty of it before, uh, and still can be, you know, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Look at my emails. What's the last thing you do at night? Sometimes look at my emails. And that's not healthy. And I often tell the story of my dad. My father was a director of a merchant bank when I was growing up, and he's a sailing uh, absolute fanatic. Still now, he's 80, and he runs around boats. It's, it's amazing. I hope I um, do as well as him at that age. But uh, he used to work eight till six, but when he got on that boat, that was it. No, you know, no one could get to him. That was his downtime, mm. and we'd go up to Pitwater and sail. I mean, my grandmother even died on one of those weekends, and we didn't find out till we got back, and there wow. was a note on the, the window to call his best mate up the road who let him know the sad news. But wow. for him as a stressful role, he did totally switch off. You know, mm. I'm sure there were things going on somewhere in his mind, but, you know, it's... I think for us, we're on a treadmill and, and just we've got so much access to so much information and, and that that can cause enormous stress. Yeah, definitely. Mm, interesting. Um, in Many business owners are aware of or suspect that one of their team members are suffering um, from a mental health condition. But in my experience, and I'd love to hear what you think, they'd prefer to talk about somebody's recent cancer diagnosis then actually have that difficult conversation about how they're coping from a mental health perspective. Why is that? And what do you recommend, um, you know, colleagues and business owners do where they do have that fear for their team member? Yeah. And when we first started, are you okay? We did research why people don't ask in the workplace. And there were two main reasons. One was they didn't know how to start the conversation. 
And the second reason was they were um, afraid that someone might not be okay and that would freak them out. So that were the two main reasons. And I think we have made progress. We definitely have. Um, there's much greater awareness definitely around mental health. There is still significant stigma. But I think um, one of the really important things is most people want to help, but they just need to know how to help. And are you okay has made progress there, but there's still uh, work to do. And as you may know, uh, you know, I've done work about just going deeper into that conversation and having an acronym called uh, I Care, which is about how best to help and support someone who is in distress. So the I stands for identify, how you identify someone struggling. And usually that's changes, you know, changes in behavior, changes in mood. The next is C is for compassion. That's how you show empathy, ask, are you okay? The A is for access experts, guiding them to the help they need. Helpline, employee assistance program, GP, psychologist. The R is for revitalizing work, and work is actually good for recovery. We are better off being at work if possible than being at home staring at the wall. And I think most of us understand that really well now. Um, and, and so it might mean reduced hours, reduced workload, but uh, people are better off being connected to their colleagues than being isolated at home. And then the final one, E, is exercise, you know, and just encouraging the person to have a 30-minute walk each day. Um, the, the walk, the 30-minute brisk walk, uh, Mayo, Mayo Clinic research says it improves our mood for up to, up to 12 hours later. Wow. You know, just, just simple things that all of us can fit in. But the problem is when you are in that, um, in that red zone, uh, in, in, in the, you know, in the black hole, um, you, you don't feel like doing it. And so you have to take little steps to, uh, to get out of it. I remember you talking about that walk and I've always been a squash player and I go to the gym, but now because the gym's closed, I'm forced to do the walking. And uh, it's amazing to see how many people are out and about walking. And I was determined to fit it in today because I knew I had a jam packed day. Um, and I, and you do, you feel better. It just gets the blood flowing and um, it's much more, I think it's beneficial. Graham, as we expected, we have covered so much content that we're going to break this into two jam-packed episodes. So let's get a cup of tea and we'll be back soon, heroes. I think now would be a really good time just to pause the podcast for a moment. There are so many people suffering in the world from COVID-19, but because of you, wherever or whenever you decided to listen to HR Heroes, you have changed the world for the better. Through our lifetime membership of B1G1, for every download we get, you are helping Indigenous kids to get access to an Outback IT learning hub to improve their English and IT skills, creating the employees of the future. You've been listening to the HR Heroes podcast with Natasha Walker. If you would like access to the episode notes and other resources, or to find subscription options, you can find us at employeematters.com.au forward slash podcast. The HR Heroes podcast is proud to be lifetime members of B1G1.